This is Podfluence, the podcast that helps business coaches and speakers to grow your business through podcasts. My name is John Ball, and my mission is to help you as a business coach or speaker to build professional influence and grow your following with podcasts so you can have a thriving business. In this episode, we'll be looking at how you can make a podcast into a successful business. If you're a business coach or speaker, you should not only be appearing on podcasts, but at some point, you should at least start to think about having a show of your own to take your opportunity and your following to a new level. My guest on this episode is Tim Reed, the host of the Small Business Big Marketing podcast. And Tim started podcasting long before most of us had ever even heard of podcasts and certainly before they were ever widely listened to. Yet, he managed to make a business out of his show, which is still going strong, and he's here to show you how you can do the same. Tim brings a lot of himself to the show, and has that Aussie cheekiness that many of us love, and he's a real fan of dad jokes. And with his previous broadcasting experience, he gets the key distinctions between radio broadcasting and podcasting. Find out in this episode what led Tim to start a podcast 13 years ago when hardly anyone else was doing it, and which three questions you must be able to answer in order to create a good outcome-based podcast show. I got introduced to Tim by someone he barely knew, and yet I was as warmly welcomed by him as I would expect from someone welcoming an old long-lost friend. I immediately liked Tim's disarming style and his directness and how he approaches podcasting and marketing. He says, make it your hobby. Make it something you do for fun rather than because you feel you have to and your marketing and your messaging will never be the same again. So I invite you now to enjoy this episode of Podfluence. Welcome to Podfluence, the podcast for business coaches and professional speakers who want to build audience and authority through podcasts. Here's your host, international coach and speaker, John Ball. Well, welcome to the show. And I am a lucky man today because in my work, I get to speak to people who do an amazing job of building podcasts and building businesses and sharing great information with people. So I get to learn at the same time as you do too. And I am in great company today because I'm getting to listen and speak with somebody who I don't know how I haven't come into contact with before. He is the host <laughs> of Small Business Big Marketing Podcast, as well as being the author of many books, a great business speaker. I've been listening to the show and I'm kind of thinking, you know, I even know some of his friends. I know so many Australian marketers. How did I never come into contact with him before? Let me welcome to the show, Tim Reed. G'day, Johnny, and good day, fellow podcasters and future podcasters. May we offer you some value in the coming however long. It's great to be speaking with you, and I've really been enjoying listening to your show, and I would honestly recommend anybody good who man. is a small business owner or interested in marketing in any way to go and check it out. I even took a very important message with me today from listening to your show about, you said, about making marketing a hobby to make it fun for yourself. And I'm thinking that's, that's that, the kind of little bit of gold that you can just keep with you. It's like, yeah, make it fun. Make it something you want to do rather than... Well, make make podcasting a hobby. If you're you're into podcasting, you know, like make make podcasting a hobby. What I mean by that, Johnny, is when something's a hobby, you'll find the time, you'll find the money, you'll find the resources, you'll find the energy, you'll put it in your diary, you'll look forward to the next time it comes around because it's a hobby. And, you know, on, on the Small Business Big Marketing podcast, having interviewed, as of today, 595 successful business owners... 
about their business journey and about what role marketing has played. So many of them talk about marketing as a hobby. They don't necessarily use that word, but I sort of coined it. And I love I love the fact that we can make parts of our business a hobby if they're enjoyable. And podcasting is certainly one of those things that is a lot of fun and should be enjoyable. Well, I definitely think that, and I'm going to be listening to a lot more episodes of your show. I'm very happy that I've been introduced to it Good because idea. I've already found so much value in there. And there will be links to the to your show and to your site and to all the things that we're going to talk about today that we might mention in the show notes for anyone who wants to go and check that out now or later on, because certainly you'll want to after you've heard more <laughs> of our conversation today. You have Good been podcasting for a fair old while, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I started years ago. So the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast is 13 years old come June 2022 and the first business podcast in Australia. And, you know, when I first came across them, Johnny, and I still hold this excitement as someone who represents small businesses in Australia and sorts and likes to think that I'm in service to them and a bit of a spokesperson for them. Um, podcasting is amazing because not only can you, can us as listeners, Find a piece of audio somewhere on the internet about a topic that we have 100% interest in that we can listen for free on demand. I think that's amazing. On the other side of that coin, as a business owner, you can now have your own show. And by that, I mean a podcast. You can also have your own TV show if you're into YouTube and you can have your own book if you're into self-publishing. But podcasting allows us to have our own radio show. And, and I find that incredible. You know, that's what's that's a big, big game changer. And that occurred to me 13 years ago and it's still I still get excited about it today but there have been a lot of changes in podcasting even just in the last couple of years since I started this show and so I, I wonder did, did you really see the potential early on or did you think this is fun and I'm just going to do this because it's a nice way to be able to talk about stuff yeah 100% I thought it was fun I, I was given a great opportunity of using a really fancy radio studio in Melbourne Australia many years ago, which I just took up. I, I was like, I created the problem. I went to a friend who was working in radio and I always secretly wanted to be on radio and just, I had subsequently, as a result of my podcasting, I have been on, on radio now, but back then I hadn't. So I, I created this problem. A mate of mine was in radio. I said, I'd discovered podcasting. He said, anytime you want to use this particular studio, you can. And I took that up. Then I'm like, wow, what do I do? <laughs> what am I going to do with it? And rang a mate and said, hey, why don't we start a marketing podcast? And um, and we had a lot of fun with it. And we started to get really good feedback, not not straight away. And that's something you need to understand about any content creation. You're not going to get feedback straight away. So right. don't look at the scoreboard. Don't look to see who's liking it, sharing it, commenting on it. Just do, just create great content. But over time, I started to realize that, wow, this thing is getting traction. I'm getting lovely listener reviews on iTunes. I'm getting lovely emails from listeners. I'm being asked to speak at conferences. There were there was a lot of things happening as a direct line between starting a podcast and, and, and other opportunities coming my way. I certainly didn't see the purple patch that we're in now, 13 years later, where podcasting has gone bananas. Every man and his dog thinks they need to get one. Maybe they do. You need to have a good reason. I think you make an important point. I think a lot of people do this, not just with podcasts, but with content marketing in general of doing something and then, oh, it hasn't gone viral, so it hasn't worked or it hasn't got tons of response right away, but not realizing that you have to stay consistent with these things and keep going, especially with podcasting, because it is, is I think, a very long game kind of thing. 
Yeah, it is. And 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 like, if you expect podcasting is very good at creating brand awareness, whether it be personal brand awareness or awareness around your business or products or services that you sell. It's very, it's a very good awareness raising tool. It's not an awesome direct response tool necessarily, because if you think about where are we consuming podcasts, we're driving, we're jogging, we're in the gym, we're in bed, we're walking the dog. And as a result, you don't really have the ability to immediately respond. Whereas video you are because you're leading into a screen and you can do that. But if you sort of go in understanding what do you want to get from creating a podcast and you set those expectations, reasonable expectations, then you're not going to be disappointed and you may well be quite happy with what comes from a podcast because it can be amazing. It, it definitely can be. And which, I mean, there was a chain of events that led to you starting your show and then kind of a fun thing. But if things hadn't happened that way, do you think you would have ended up coming to podcasts anyway? I think I would have. I, I love the audio format. I, I love audio. I just think it's so personal and it's not heavy lifting. You know, I'm not a technical person at all. I look at video and I think there's a lot of heavy lifting in video. And I don't mean physically. I mean cameras and stuff, but they're not that heavy anymore because they're phones. But the files are big. You've got to go through and watch it all. And there's lots of editing and all that kind of stuff to be done. And because you you can be seen then there is a, probably a greater need to edit some things. Whereas I, I think with podcasting, it's it's just lighter and it's easier. And the audio format is so consumable. And that's just, that's being proven now with, you know, the, the advertising revenues from podcasts are expected to double off a fairly big base in the next two years. And it's just going to keep going that way. So yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful format. Yeah. If you were able to go back in time and give yourself some advice as a starting podcaster, what would that advice be? Uh, I would probably say from a monetizing point of view, and everyone's like, how do you monetize a podcast? Back then, I remember thinking, I remember ringing a very considered colleague of mine when I started the small business, big marketing show. And I said, Dave, I'm starting a podcast. I'm going to get some sponsorship. I'm going to make a million dollars and everything's going to be amazing. And he said to me, you might want to build an audience first. And I thought, oh, that's, that's, a good, that's a good advice. So the first step of that was to just sit back. And this was months into having a podcast. So I sat back after that and just focused on building an audience and not chasing sponsors. If I were to do it again, and there are, there are a number of ways of monetizing podcasts through you know, third-party sponsorship, which I do, which I've been doing for the last almost almost 13 years but the what i probably would do is have my own products i would create a suite of whether it be online courses if i you know if you had an age a marketing agency in my case which i didn't i would sell my own stuff because then it's a hundred percent margin then you are in complete control then you're not answerable to a third-party sponsor and that would seem to be a very very good idea having said that I've had wonderful success with third-party sponsors from American Express, Dell, Yellow Pages, really big brands, but I've chosen them selectively. I've chosen them yeah. because the brands are important to my listeners, but also the people behind those brands are easy to work with. And as a one-man show, as a one-man podcaster, I just want to work with good people. Yeah. And I guess you can have both, right? You can market your own stuff and have some third-party of course, you don't want to go too heavy on the ads, especially if you are a new podcast. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, you, 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 you could have both. Way. 
you, you could have both, and you do want to make sure that you get the weight weighting right. As a podcast consumer, and I consume a lot of podcasts as well as create a podcast, I get... I get that ads are annoying, and I myself find myself doing the little 10, 15 seconds skip forward, you know, getting away from the ads. Too. But but we, we've, we have to, and I don't, I mean, this is a bit of a soapbox rant that I'm about to get on, but the reality is, as podcasters, particularly a podcaster, for me, podcasting is an end. It isn't a means to an end. Podcasting is my business. Sure, it creates other revenue streams. But I don't have a marketing agency that I'm trying to drive business to. I'm not a marketing coach that I'm trying to drive business to. I want to make a living from podcasting. And so I'd love people to respect the ads more on podcasts, particularly bespoke podcasts, not the podcasts that are repurposed radio shows. They've got their own budgets and all that. But us independent podcasters, we do heavily rely on the kindness and the support of big brands and little brands, anyone who wants to sponsor us. So, yeah, got to kind of be respectful of that. And I try not to skip forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, I think I do find some of the shows that I listen to, and like yourself, I listen to a lot of shows, they tend to, if they are selective with the ads that they choose, it tends to be stuff you think, oh, well, that's interesting to hear about at least. Or sometimes one of the things I think is very clever, they'll have ads for their own show <laughs> for yeah, yeah. upcoming episodes or for older episodes or collections of episodes that you can yes. go and check out and things. So I think I just think it makes sense if you are a business owner who is doing a podcast as part of your professional ecosystem, not just as your business, but as part of that, yeah. then of course it makes sense to promote your own stuff and your own products and services because you are creating and developing that relationship with every show That's right. you make. Yeah. And, and I think too, if you are, if you are going to start a podcast and you are going to do ads, whether it be for your own stuff or for a third party brand, certainly in my experience, the most effective ads are live reads where the host reads the ads and never take pre-recorded ads like radio stations do and just drop them into your podcast. It sounds too much like radio and people don't want podcasts to sound like radio. And if you are going to do live reads as a podcaster, try and put some, just again, put your own personality into it. You know, don't try and put on your marketing voice and this, this program is brought to you by Dell, you know, and it's like, don't, don't do that. Just, just like have some fun, find an emotional entry point into the brand that's sponsoring your podcast and talk about it in a human way. Yeah, I, I was listening not that long ago to, I don't know if you've heard of Tracy Hazard, but she has the Bingeworthy podcast. And so she's looking at what makes shows bingeworthy. And one of the things that she was talking about, I think this might have been in her marketing podcast, though, was that they actually done some research into podcast ads and what was most effective. And they said nearly, it's always host-read ads. It's always the host-read ads and the natural voice ads that are the most effective because that is the voice that that audience is already trusting. Yeah. And so, yeah. of course, it makes a, it makes huge difference. You know, get a brief from your sponsors. Understand the brands or whatever they want, it, they want you to say and then find stories from your own experience that bring to life those brands. So, for example, and he's not doing it well, although he's the biggest podcaster in the world, Joe Rogan, reads ads right he does live reads and and i've been listening a lot to joe lately and he's been mentioning active greens or some health powder right he's reading a script yeah. and 
it's very it's very obvious. Now Joe's a health fanatic. Joe takes Athletic Greens. Surely he could find a story that of his, that of his own volition that includes Athletic Greens and just tell that, as opposed to reading some script written by the advertising agency. It it would make sense. I was bit, I know he's like one of the top shows in the world, and I have listened to him before, but it's definitely not one of my favourite podcasters. <laughs> Although it is always interesting, it's always interesting to hear what. He definitely is is polarizing, and I guess it's more the guest choices that he has that I don't always enjoy tuning into. So, you yeah, know, I used to listen to it, and now it's not really my scene. But I particularly like people like Jordan Harbinger, and Hi. I still listen to some Tim Ferriss stuff as well. You know, so I do listen to some of the big ones, but I often find it more interesting listening to some of the lesser-known podcasters who don't have the big reps to live up to and are doing maybe more interesting things and trying some different stuff out. Because I think there is opportunity for innovation in podcasting. And uh, and I think it's necessary because I don't know about you, but I mean, if you listen to a lot of shows, you probably do come across this of a lot of people do the same standard formula for every show. Yes. And, and if you, you, know, you do guesting as well as I do, I'm sure, and as you are now, very often you'll start a show with the whole sort of potted life history. And you may even find yourself as like, I'm a bit bored of telling this story now because it's like every other show I go on is asking me, for this yeah. little mini history of my life and my career and stuff like that. It's like, well, you can check that stuff out outside of the yeah. podcast. People yeah. want to get to the, to the juicy stuff, the meat of it. I, I'm amazed. And, and, you know, the little podcasters, the smaller podcasters listening to this, don't beat yourself up if you're doing it because you make a good point. Another podcast that I listen to a lot is Sam Harris. He's a philosopher. I think his podcast is called Waking Up. Now, Sam yeah. is an experienced media person. Sam is an experienced podcaster. Sam is a philosopher. He's incredibly considered and well thought. However, he spends an incredible amount of time right at the top of his each episode giving a bit of a bio of the guest. Then he introduces the guest, and his first question to the guest is, tell us a little bit about yourself. It's like, Sam, <laughs> Sam. The lesson there for us all, and Sam's a philosopher, he's not a marketer, he's not a consumer behaviorist, you know, I, I, I'll forgive him, although he should know better. What he should do is get straight into the meat and potatoes of, you know, why is this guest here, you know, and the, the lesson is respect the audience. That's what we've got. As podcasters, anyone creating content, it ain't about you and I, Johnny, in this show right now. It's about whoever's listening. And my mindset is, and I'm sure yours is, how do we extract, how do you extract maximum value from me as the guest? And how do I, as the guest, make sure that I give maximum value to the listener? Because they, are, they are, for whatever reason, madness, a, a slight lapse in, you know, brain fog, they've decided to listen to you and I. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I, and I'm always very grateful for that. You know, I, I just, just last week hit 10,000 downloads which good on you. i think i'm i think i might be a little bit behind the industry curve but i'm still happy that i hit the <laughs> hit that figure because it's a milestone it is an absolute milestone again i mean be absolutely be proud of it pop the cork on it but don't attach yourself to it and don't spend too much time <laughs> thinking about it because it's a number if you say to me is that a good number i don't know it's ten thousand. it's it's less than 11,000 and more than nine. Seth Godin, who's one of the world's, you know, leading marketing experts and who I interviewed 
on the Small Business Big Marketing Show a few years ago, made the point that every business needs a thousand raving fans. Doesn't matter what the business is, you need a thousand raving fans. Not 10,000, not a million, not two. But if you can have a thousand, and it's, and for, you know, for the local locksmith listening or the local chiropractor or accountant, they might go, they might go, that's a lot. But no, it's not really. Not if you create content that is, is worthwhile. That is, that is whether it be life changing or business changing or compelling. Having a thousand people who listen and may talk about you to others, it's not that big a number. So I think my point there is, again, don't focus on the numbers, you know, because I'm not sure they're that compelling whether they're five you know for, for me it was <laughs> no I, I agree and it's uh, whilst there's that you should certainly pay attention to your stats that they're not the be all and end all because they don't tell you everything that's going on and uh, as much as you can have you know i've been in groups online where especially like i think of one marketing group that i've been in where there was over seventeen thousand people in this group but a very small fraction of that were active and so is that well would you rather have a small active audience or a large inactive audience i would rather have a smaller engaged and active audience myself a hundred percent a hundred percent you know like give me a hundred a hundred customers who actively want to buy from me on a regular basis versus a thousand who window shop and may or may not buy you know that's yeah that's where I'd like to be. Now, you would have seen a lot of changes in the time. I mean, our podcasting has changed quite a lot in the last five years, certainly in the last 10 years, and you've been podcasting through that time. And I wonder what are some of the most significant things that you've noticed in the development of podcasting as an industry in that time? I get asked this about marketing, because the Small Business Big Marketing podcast is about marketing. I get asked that question about marketing and then specifically when we're talking podcasting about podcasting. And my answer is always the same. There will always be a bright, shiny object, Johnny. There is always going to be a new microphone. There is always going to be a new social media platform, like, you know, say Clubhouse. There's always going to be a new recording software. We're on Riverside FM. There's Zencaster. There's Blue Jeans. There's, there's always going to be something. But guess what? The fundamentals remain unchanged. Create Create compelling content, know your audience, know what problems they have that you can solve, create compelling content around it, doing it in an engaging way that has people leading in and listening, and you are on on the road to creating something special. If you constantly, you know, like when other podcasters find out, or even not podcasts, maybe would-be podcasters find out that I'm a podcaster, more often than not, and I'll say out eight out of ten times, the very first question is, what microphone do you use? It's irrelevant. It's such an irrelevant question. It doesn't matter. The microphones on our smartphones these days are broadcast quality. So find a microphone that, you know, you like, you like the look of. I mean, absolutely, audio is good quality audio is fundamental to creating great podcasts. But gee, unless you've won the microphone at the local fair, then the one you buy at the local discount store probably ain't going to be too bad. So I care little for developments. We've had, you know, Spotify's come on board and they've got podcasts now. You know, I know Facebook and Google, they're all working hard. They've got Stitcher. Everyone's working hard to capture the podcast market. But again, I stay pretty focused and my focus is on my listener 
on their needs, on the problems they have that I can solve, and creating content that solves it. In, in, in yeah. for me, and people say to me, Johnny, you know, why is the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast so popular and successful? And I say, I, well, I can tell you it's not the best marketing podcast in Australia. I know that. It's just not. There are better marketing podcasts. However, what I have found, and my, mine's a very good marketing podcast, but there are marketing podcasts that possibly have better information, more detailed information. But I have found the intersection between educating my listeners around the topic of marketing and entertaining my listeners so that whatever I am educating them on lands. And I don't believe... Yeah. Certainly, I can't educate 100% of the time, nor do I want to, because I'm not a university professor. I can't entertain 100% of the time because I'm not a stand-up comedian. But if I find that sweet spot between the two, and I can put a smile on my dial, on my dial, if I can put a smile on the dial of my audience while I'm imparting information, then I've won. So that is my long-winded answer to saying I'm not that interested in developments. I'm interested in the fundamentals. <laughs> yeah, and that's great. I mean, much as in in marketing, I know I recently was reading like the the twenty-two. I can't remember the twenty-two fundamental laws. Immutable of laws of marketing. Immutable laws of marketing. That's it. And it, it's not a new book. It's been around a while. Recent, recent uh, trout. It's from nineteen sixty-four or something. But the principles are pretty solid. So even though a lot of the things that are list mentioned in there are maybe a bit out of date now and certainly not up to date with the latest technology and everything else, the principles still work. And, and we forget sometimes how important principles are. We do. Johnny, my 23-year-old son, William, started as a marketing coordinator, a junior marketing executive in a company just last week. He's been brought on to be a bit of a content creator, a bit of a social media legend because he's a, he's a digital native. He's 23 years old. And guess what book I gave him? The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing from 1960 bloody four. You know, because the fundamentals are the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's much like I, I, one of the books I got a lot of value from a few years ago when it came out was Ray Dalio's book, Principles, as well. Just getting getting those principles is so much more empowering because that's guiding your decisions. So rather than being told what to do, you're being given the baseline information that guides the decision-making processes for, for better options. Much like I think like most people would benefit from listening and tuning into and having their own philosophy, and a lot of people don't. When you have principles that guide you in life, it just makes things, I think, a lot easier, a lot clearer as well, rather than this opinion, that opinion, as you say, shiny object here, shiny object there. Yep, everyone's got an opinion, Johnny. <laughs> I, I do wonder, though, I mean, you talk about make, having a career in podcasting. Do you, do you at least think it's easier now to make a career out of podcasting than it may have been even, even just a few years ago? That's an interesting question. I have, I've had success both back in the day when podcasting wasn't a thing and I have had success today with podcasting being well and truly a thing. I had success early on because it wasn't a very crowded marketplace and as long as I was creating great content and I could find a sponsor, a, in my case, a chief marketing officer or a marketing director from a company who had heard of podcasts, because even back then it was like, have you heard of a podcast? Have you ever listened to one? So my job back then was to monetize my podcast, was to find marketing people that 
knew of podcasts and hopefully listened to mine. And that was an easy sell. And there weren't many podcasts to choose from. So I wasn't competing in a busy marketplace. Nowadays, I am competing in a busy marketplace, but there's more money being thrown at podcasting than there was back then. So I, I don't really know the answer to that, except to say, have a go. Because I know when I speak at conferences and if I talk about podcasting from stage or blogging or eBooks or you know, YouTube videos that we should be creating as business owners, there'll be someone in the audience that says, oh, there's so much of that out there. I saw a stat the other day where there's 72 hours of footage uploaded to YouTube every minute. And it's like, okay, that might be a fact. And it might be a fact that six new podcasts come online every hour of every day. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It just creates a creative challenge to make really good content. You know, that's that's the challenge. You know, even in, I'll, I'll say the same in five years' time when there is 10 times as many podcasts as there are today. It doesn't mean you shouldn't podcast. you just got to make really good content. And I think that's where people fail. You know, if, if marketing is made up of medium and message, one of the marketing fundamentals is identify the medium, where the fi- where, fish where the fish are, and then create messages that attract the fish, create the bait. And the easy part of that equation is medium. So in our case, we choose podcasting as the our medium of choice. Our challenge, that's an easy decision. Uh, our challenge is what are you going to say on the podcast that's going to be so compelling? And that's always going to be the challenge. So, and I don't think enough business owners, whether it be talking podcasting or any marketing, spend enough time on idea generation, on sitting back and, and rubbing their chin and going, what can I create that's going to be really compelling and better than everyone else? And I agree. There's, there's a lot of people seem to be creating content and chucking it out for the sake of doing it or even, I guess, paying other people to create their content and it's not really having that connection because it's not mm-hmm. coming genuinely from them. And so, you know, there, there are definitely some issues that what in your mind or in your experience, I said, because you've been creating content effectively for a long time, what makes good contents, especially with podcasts? Content that the listener wants, number one. They might not know, they might want and need something different, but first of all, give them what they want. Yeah. Now, that could be going out and identifying what questions have your listeners got that you could solve or provide answers to in a podcast. One of the things that I encourage everyone to do who is starting a podcast, and even if you have already got a podcast, I would go back and do this. And it's called your editorial mission. Now, the editorial mission was something developed by magazine publishers many, many, many years ago. And it was simply a way of defining what's the magazine going to be about. Well, in the case of the editorial mission for us, it's what's the podcast going to be about. And there's three questions to answer. What have you got to offer? To who? And what outcome can they expect? So the editorial mission for the Small Business Big Marketing podcast, what I have to offer is marketing tips and tricks. For who? Small service-based business owners who are frustrated by marketing. What outcome can they expect? To generate more warm inquiry. So marketing tips and tricks 
for small service-based business owners frustrated about marketing to help them generate more warm inquiry. Now that I know that, it's very easy for me to determine what to talk about on my podcast, from stage, in a book that I write, in a blog post that I write, in a social media post that I put out there. And it almost, Johnny, creates a fence. And inside that fence is all the content that is relevant to your listeners. And outside of that fence is the stuff that you'll never hear me talk about. You'll never hear me talk about taxation. You'll never hear me talk about real estate. You'll never hear me talk about HR because they're outside of my editorial mission. And anyone in podcast, anyone who's creating content should, I would say must, complete and get crystal clear on their editorial mission. And if, if I may take that one step further, once you know what your editorial mission is, be very clear on the personality of your brand and the way you share your knowledge. So, because that's going to be your point of difference. You know, there's a lot of marketing podcasts out there, but again, if you listen to the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast, you'll learn, you'll be freaked out occasionally, you'll have a laugh, you'll be, you know, I might upset you from something I say, but hey, it's me and that's my personality. Like it or lump it. Because that, again, is my point of difference. And for any other podcaster, it's going to be their point of difference as well. You you may hear a few dad jokes. I know that for sure after after having listened to it. I know. And I, 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 I don't know what to do about that. I get accused of it all the time. If someone meets me, they always bring up the dad jokes thing. The reality is I'm a father of three, so I am a, I am a dad. I do love a joke. And, you know, I'm from a different century, Johnny. So, you know, I just have to, I, you know, like it or lump it. I think it's part of who you are. It's part part of the charm of the show. I wouldn't do anything about it. Don't change a thing. Thank uh, you but, very much. But I do wonder, <laughs> I do wonder in, in in your podcast career, whether you have ever faced things like the sort of content burnout that people often talk about. As in, geez, what am I going to, what am I going to create next? Is that what you mean? Yeah, just feeling like uh, like the muse has left the building and, and you don't really know what to do next or you feel like you've done everything and okay. that postmodern yeah. sort of malaise. Or... Mm. There is, in terms of content burnout, if I ever have a thought that, geez, who am I going to interview next? What topic am I going to cover next? It very quickly disappears because even though I have almost 600 episodes under my belt, it's not really a big number when you look at, you know, A, the amount of potential people that I could interview, B, the amount of opinions that I could share, C, the amount of amount of experiences that I have day to day as a consumer out in the street and online shopping. They're always, so the, and these are all content opportunities, right? So as podcasters in particular, we need to have our content radars on all the time. A mate of mine was on, he had the most popular radio program in Australia at one point. And you know, like those radio programs are like, they're all shouting and they're doing silly things and playing games and competitions and, you know, primetime breakfast or drive radio. And my friend Jules had the the number one show in Australia. And I said to him once, I said, how do you keep up? Because, hey, I'm just creating an episode of a week on my podcast, whereas he's every night from three till six having to create content. And he actually simply carries his iPhone around, as we all do. He has voice memos open all the time. And every time something happens to him out in the street, he might... Whatever it may be, he used the example when he was talking about this. It was actually a part of an interview I did with him. 
He used the example of paying for a ticket at a car park and something weird happened and he had to push the button to speak to the person on the other end of the intercom and he just records that into his voice memo as a reminder of there is some potential content. So for him, it was like, when was the last time you had to push a button and speak to a stranger? You know, call in now. So my point there is, as content creators, as podcasters, we always need to be on the lookout for content and not freak out when we think, my goodness, we're going to run out. Because what I found too, as you create more content and as you become more prolific as a podcaster, people are going to be reaching out to you. PR agencies are going to send pitches to say, hey, interview my client. Listeners are going to say, hey, could you cover an episode? Could you cover this topic on a future episode? And there's always opportunities for content coming left, right and centre. Yeah, I look forward to receiving those kinds of requests from my own listener at some point. Oh, come on, listeners. Oh, Johnny's struggling and needs to know who to interview next. Oh, no, I'm, I'm all good with that, but I certainly would like to have some some feedback and some suggestions from people as well. It's like the audience engagement. Yes. It takes a while. It does take a while to develop that and to build that up, especially in podcasts. Well, Johnny, I'll give you a tip, mate. What I've done on the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast is I have a phone number. I give out a number and I'm going to give it out right now and I'll give out the international version of it because I would love anyone who's heard me on Johnny's podcast to call me. The number is plus six one four zero eight zero zero one five one five zero. You can call that number now and you can leave up to five minute up to a five minute message and if I like it, if well, if I like it and I think it adds value to my listening audience, then I will play it on an upcoming episode. Every single episode of my podcast has a voicemail from a listener. It could be a marketing idea that's working for them. It could be a commentary on a, an episode that they listened to and liked and what they liked about it. It could be that they don't like my style and I could improve it. Whatever it is, ring me, leave a message and I'll play it. Because as a podcaster, I wish we could do talkback. And in fact, I think talkback is starting to become possible. I think even on Riverside FM, there is the opportunity for people to call in. I haven't worked out that technology yet. But having that dialogue <laughs> back and forth between listeners is wonderful. Yeah, it is. The technology is absolutely there for it. I mean, even with a show like this, we have the capability to have live audience. Now, they can't verbally but we can, they can be invited they can be given a link to come and to join the studio but they can because you can send the link out can't you on your socials via Riverside yep. where they can log in and they could be watching us and they could be putting questions through chat that's awesome yeah I had a try at doing live stuff with the show for a while and the only thing I'm reluctant with it is that and you may notice this as we're recording like people who seen video of this after the recording will see it's all pretty high quality stuff but whilst it's actually live it's not always so great. You might see a bit of deterioration in the video. And I don't really love putting out content that, that doesn't look that good as well as video content. And that's probably my, my only real concern with it. But I do like the idea of having more live interaction. And I hope that becomes a bigger thing with more podcasts. And I think with services like Discord, which I'm still trying to figure out and learn, those capabilities are, are definitely there. But I love that idea of having a, a phone line that is dedicated for people being able to come and leave messages about the show and actually have that verbal interaction. I think, I, I mean, we could even use, I guess you could even use voice messages on LinkedIn or something like that just, just as well. The yeah. technology is definitely up there and available, right? 
I, I really like that. I wonder for you what has been the whether you feel the podcasting has played a significant role in your own personal and professional development over the time that you've been doing it. Oh, there's no doubt. I how can I be specific about that? I'm very proud of what I've created with the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. It has taken me well and truly outside my comfort zone, albeit I am I'm sort of an introverted extrovert in the sense that I do like my own space and time, but I like the fact that podcasting puts me out there, puts my head above the trench, has created an entire public speaking career that has really, you know, given me a good lifestyle. I'm, I'm really, I feel very grateful for that. And again, direct line from being a podcaster to being a popular public speaker, you know, at, at its peak pre-COVID, I was doing about 60 conferences a year in you know, in different countries. And again, direct line from being a podcaster to doing that. And as a result of having to step up and become a public speaker, I've then had to go out and seek a speaking coach. I've had to go out and study other speakers. As I do, I study other interviewers. So being in that space, yeah, I, I feel like it's it's been awesome for me. It's been absolutely awesome for me and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, you know, care for what you wish for. You know, I wanted to be on radio. Well, <laughs> I wasn't. I have been subsequently, but I got my own radio show in the form of, of a podcast. Yeah. What perhaps have been the biggest challenges for you then in your podcasting journey? There are times when you go, is it worth it? Not because, you know, for no other reason that I've, you know, for me, I've been doing it for 13 years and it's like, well, and, and it is an, it's an interesting question that I continue to sort of ask myself. It's like, well, when do I stop? Like, if, when do I stop? I joined Australia's biggest podcasting network just, just over two years ago, which didn't work out for me. It was the wrong decision. So there was a sort of bump in the road then and a moment of contemplation. Well, okay, once my contract's up, do I stop? But then I went back to my listeners only in, I went back and thought about my listeners. I didn't go back to my listeners and ask them, but thought, no, I can't let them down. I'm not ready to stop yet. I haven't covered enough enough topics, and I feel like there's uh, there's still things that I need to do in regards to podcasting. And so, you know, it, the journey continues. I'd like to do some live events. I'd like to be recording some episodes live. I'd like to be maybe bringing in some guest co-hosts. I had a co-host for the first 80 episodes of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, and Luke who is still one of my best mates, but after 80 episodes, he didn't see the value in it. You know, so bringing people in and having that, because I don't know about you, you're a single host, I'm a single host, and it's fun. It's also fun having a co-host to bounce things off and do all that kind of stuff, but there's plenty left. There's plenty of left, things left to do, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the co-host stuff has been on my mind a bit recently too, and I did do my very first show and one of my earlier shows with a friend, a very good friend of mine, who was my co-host for that. And it was it was fun. I know she's not able to commit to coming back to being a co-host, but yeah, the, just being able to have that, I think it increases the chemistry of the show when you've got someone who you have such a deep level rapport with, and then you invite maybe another guest on to come and connect with that rapport yes. that's already going on is is quite powerful i think you know I, I like it on other podcasts as well if if there are podcasters listening to this or people who want to start a podcast and are considering the co-host format all i would say to that is make sure that your co-host is very different to you because it's very uninteresting listening to two people who agree with who agree with each other all the time if it's a yes fest I, I think that's just really boring listening. So for me, 
Luke, who was my co-host for the first 80 episodes, he was, he was and continues to be everything I'm not. He's very considered. He's, he likes to get under the bonnet of the various aspects of marketing. You know, how to face, how does Google ads work? How do Facebook ads work? How does SEO work? And, and I sort of, I absolutely want to explore that. But I'm much more interested in the bird's eye macro view when I'm talking to a business owner. It's like, where'd the idea come from? How did you get it to market? Was there a moment in time when you found yourself in the fetal position rocking back and forth because you thought you'd made a mistake? So between the two of us, Luke is asking the detailed stuff. I'm asking the sort of bird's eye macro stuff. That's interesting. And if if you're both going down the same path, it's less interesting. Yeah. I wonder for you, I know personally, I have found some unexpected benefits in the podcast world, both from being a guest on other people's shows and from having my own show. And I wonder if you found the same. Unexpected better? Totally. I mean, I've written a whole book on it. You can see it behind me, the boomerang effect. The boomerang effect is an effect that I sort of came up with, which basically says the more effort you put into your the marketing of your personal brand or your business the more it will return multiples, boomerang being sticks that our Indigenous people threw that came back, return themselves to the person who threw it. And, you know, so I've absolutely found that. So for me, my boomerang effect with starting a podcast was, yeah, I built an audience. I built a strong personal brand within the small business community in Australia. I've developed a speaking career. I've had a lot of media opportunities, whether they be interviews on radio or TV or other people's podcasts or articles in magazines. I've had the opportunity to write a book. I've had so many incredible things happen as a direct result. And my boomerang effect will be different to your boomerang effect will be different to the next person's. But you need to put faith in that because as business owners listening to this, thinking of starting a podcast, if you do it right, you'll get more sales. That's sort of like, that's a ticket to the game. That's that's base one, yeah? But if you get it really right, other things will happen. You'll be positioned as a thought leader in your industry. You'll be asked to appear on panels at conferences. You'll be, you know, you'll be someone that people d- defer to for opinions and whatever it may be. So I find that really exciting. Do, do you think then that there's a lot of value in, especially if it's going to be a business-related podcast or especially if you're going to make it your business, in starting, not necessarily starting perfect, but at least starting as well as you can, being well-prepared for this? Yeah, look, I, yes. I mean, if I look back at episode one of the Small Business Big Marketing podcast, it's slightly embarrassing, but hey, I didn't know any better. I was just having a crack and, you know, there's been a, a steady, I would say, not it's not a straight line improvement because every now and then I've fallen back to bad old ways and there'll be times when, geez, I've just got to get a show out, but, you know, I didn't have the equipment, I might have been travelling. But, Johnny, I've done, I've done episodes in a wardrobe under my doona in the business class cabin of an Etihad plane departing from the Middle East. I've done it on the shores of a Fijian island with a security guard standing behind me wondering what I was doing. You know, you just have to roll with the punches and, you know, you just, you, you create and get through these challenges however best you can. But um, I think you do just need to start to your, to your question. You know, you've got to have reasonably good audio. I don't like to put pressure on people who are thinking of starting a podcast, but, you know, 
a ticket to the game would be good audio because, again, you've got to remember, people are listening to a podcast. They're on the road, so they're dealing with road noise. They could be on a train or a tram or a bus dealing with that noise. They could be in the gym dealing with that noise. So our audio that we deliver really has to be able to cut through all that. So, you know, getting that right, but it's like anything. If you wait for perfection, you will never start. So you may as well just get productive and start. Yeah, I I definitely don't believe in starting perfect, but you you, you certainly don't need all the best equipment, but it's worth having some basic equipment. And most people have got at least some basic microphone. And I do generally recommend not to use like internal computer microphones and stuff they're not great no. and even phone microphones they can be okay but you, know, you have you have to test it and see ultimately but you need to make sure that you are at least listenable for for the duration of doing that but having a yeah. bit of a plan of action and remembering that just as much as with any social media content that you put out it's representing you and your brand so make sure you're happy with what you're putting out there's representation sure, yeah, yeah, that's right for it and if, if doesn't matter if it's not perfect just just make sure that it's like it's not pulling you down when you put it out it's like have a few practice trials but first by all means but don't don't put out bad content <laughs> it's not that's, that's the worst thing worst thing you can do i want to if you okay for a few more minutes i would just like to ask you i know you've written a book yourself but i wonder if there are any other books or resources that you would recommend people to check out maybe they relate to marketing personal development or principles that we talked about earlier but what would be your book recommendations other than your own book, The Boomerang Effect? I'm going to turn around and look at my business bookshelf right now. I certainly would recommend The Boomerang Effect, which you can get at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. But what business book do I go back to a lot? I'm just looking at them now. I'm not a big reader of business books because I sort of, when I do find time to read, it's generally fictional. That's a really interesting question because there are so many. You know the one I'm going to, okay, got it. I got it. The War of Art, Stephen Press. I think Stephen Pressfield is the author of that. It is an awesome book. The War of Art is for any content creator, any artist who wants to create something special, but is full of procrastination, is full of writer's block, artist's block, painter's block, whatever you want to call it. And it's just a beautifully, it's a beautifully written book. Um, it's sort of fictional in nature. It's not a it's not like a classic business book. You'll read it in a day and you'll probably reread it four or five times and just have it handy for when you're procrastinating. The War of Art, it's a fantastic, fantastic book. Yeah, great. A great recommendation. I, just one final question. What, what's, the, what's the wisest advice you've ever received? Don't look into the sun during a total eclipse. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good advice. A little key on. Yes, it is. It is good advice. That again, you know, something that comes to mind immediately. I did an episode about six years ago on the Small Business Big Marketing podcast, and it was with, and it was at a time when I was really wanting to take my interviewing skills to the next level. Yeah, you know, I realised that hey, I've been interviewing for a while now, and I really enjoy it. I really enjoy extracting stories from people. I really enjoy making people feel comfortable so that they can share what they want to share. And I knew I wasn't the best at it. I wanted to get a lot better at it. So I thought, who's the best interviewer in Australia that I could get connect with? And there was a fellow by the name of Richard Stubbs, and he had a an afternoon show on ABC Radio in Australia. And he was a great storyteller. 
He was able to put a smile on your face. He was fantastic with his guests. And I approached him, I reached out to him, and I said, Richard, I'd love you to come in and be a guest on my podcast. It's a marketing podcast. And Richard, by trade, is actually a stand-up comedian. So it was a bit weird to have a stand-up comedian and a radio host, a small business marketing podcast. But I said, the reason I want to have you on is I want you to come in, into the studio, and from the minute you open the door, I'll have record on. And I want to interview you about your life and how you've gone about interviewing, but I want you to constructively feed back to me in real time every time I do something good, but particularly every time I do something bad or I could do it better. So there is an episode of my podcast in which Richard does that. And for me, it was incredibly, it was probably a very selfish interview because it was all about me, but I hoped it helped other people who were wanting to hone their interview skills. And the one thing he said, Johnny, that really caught my attention amongst many things, actually the two things, I'm going to give you two. Number one is listen. As podcasters, we think we're there to talk. We're actually there to listen. And the less talk you do, better. And you only need to watch Michael Parkinson from the BBC from, yeah, he was on the BBC with, you know, that famous, famous talkback TV show of years gone by. He was incredibly economical with his words. He really didn't talk much at all and let his guests do all the talking. So that's really important. And the other wise bit of advice that Richard gave me was to always lead with your best stuff. So when you're creating content and you know that a guest has done something amazing, don't wait the second half of the interview to get to that. Lead with it because that's going to hold people. And people are going to be go, leaning in and they're going to be going, wow, that's amazing, that's amazing. And they're going to hang around for more. Whereas if you know as the interviewer that there's something good coming up but no one else does, then you're going to lose your audience. Unless you can do hawks, you know. Awesome. Don't forget coming up, Richard's going to talk yeah. to us about such and such. But yeah, that, that there were two good bits of advice that I've had. Oh, yeah, that's definitely something I need to get better at. Well, I, re I really want to go and listen to that episode now. You, you've hooked my interest into <laughs> going and listening <laughs> to more of your show. And I definitely would recommend anyone who's listening to this, go and check out the show. So much good advice. And as you do with podcasts, you know, people think, oh, you go and listen to the latest show. Not necessarily. Find the shows that you like. Find the topics that you're interested in. That's what, exactly what I do with any podcast that I go and listen to. And that's one of maybe... One quick lesson we'll leave for everyone is make sure you have good episode titles if you can have a podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. that actually let people know what they're about. It took me a while to figure that one out. But t Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. I've learned a lot. I know anyone listening to this show has also learned from you too and hope they will go and check out your show and your book. And, and I hope we get to connect again in the future. It's been an absolute pleasure, Tim. Thank you for being a guest. Johnny, good on you, Johnny. appreciate your words about my, my podcast, but also well done to you for creating a podcast about podcasting to help others embrace what is an awesome medium. It's a medium that's growing. It's a medium that can be incredible for your personal brand, for your business brands, and it's a lot of fun. So make it a hobby. Thanks so much, Johnny. Absolutely. Thank you. If you will allow me to be your podcast sommelier for a moment, this episode pairs very nicely with a glass of Spanish Rioja and also with episode 132 of Podfluence with Alex Sanfilippo from Podmatch on how to create business success through podcasts. 
Now, after having listened to the episode, are you able to answer the three key editorial questions that Tim posed in this episode for your show or even for your business? If there's only one thing that you do and take away from this episode, make sure is that you can answer them and that you're happy with the answers. I definitely encourage you to check out the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. It's a lot of fun. And if you get in contact with Tim, let him know you heard him first on Podfluence. If you want to become a top 1% podcast guest and have your Podfluence, download my free ebook now so you can start building authority, following and profits from podcast guesting in less than an hour. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes. A special shout out this week to Kevin Schmidlin from Grow The Show for all the help he continues to provide podcasters like me in improving and monetizing their shows. Any improvements regular listeners may have noticed in recent episodes are thanks to Kevin and his Podcast Accelerator program. I can't recommend following him highly enough. Do go and check out Kevin. And if you are serious, if you are looking to turn your podcast into a business, then you want to take a look at Kevin's Grow the Show Podcast Accelerator. That's it for this week. Wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, have an amazing rest of your day. Go and make great things happen.